You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Chad Beach. Let's jump in. Philippians chapter number 3, verse 13. This is Paul the Apostle writing. And he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Oh, I love those two verses right there. Paul the Apostle. I like when he says, there's just one thing I'm trying to do right now. You know, God's not asking today for you to do 10 things. God just wants you to do one thing. The Bible says what is required of you and I is a pure and a simple devotion to Jesus. So he says, guys, one thing I'm trying to do right now in this season of my life, one thing I'm trying to do is forget what is behind so I can press forward to what is ahead. I just like that he's talking about the past. How many of you by show of hands, you have a past today? Just let me see. Some of y'all should put two hands in the air. Come on, just wave them like you do care, okay? So he, he said, forgetting what is behind me, forgetting the past, I'm going to strain forward to the God thing that's in front of me. I think there's a reason why when you get in your car, the, the window shield is so big and the rear view mirror is so small. Because the past, no matter how awesome it is or how awful it is, it pales in comparison to the awesome thing that God has in front of us. Come on, anybody thankful today? Come on, that God's got a plan. God's got something up his sleeve. You know what I believe about God? I believe that God today is standing in your future right now. He is standing in your future, wooing you and beckoning you, romancing you, calling you into the great thing that he has in store for your family, for your business, for your home. Come on, if I were you today, I'd just be sitting in church like the Proverbs 31 woman. The Bible says the Proverbs 31 woman, she looks at the future and she smiles. Why does she smile? Because she knows if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on. She knows. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares who? Ourselves? Oprah? No, the Lord. Although I'll take an Oprah anyway. But God says, I declare I have plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind can conceive the things that God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I want to declare to you today that the best is yet to come. We got to clap our hands and thank our God. Come on, the future is bright, not because we're awesome, but because who's, he's awesome. Come on, anybody believe today God has a plan. I want to preach a message today. You can write down the title. It's called When Life Doesn't Work Out. What, what do you do when life Life has this ability to sometimes not play fair. What do you do when life doesn't work out? I want to give you four things today on how to really move into your God-given potential when life doesn't play fair. Let's pray today and let's ask God to speak to us. Let me just, before we pray, let me just t tell you one thing, why we're praying. When we pray in church right now, it, we're not buying time. When we pray in church right now, what we're really saying is, God... You've got my eyes and you've got my ears. 
And I believe that your word, if it lands on good soil, it will do something on the inside of me. In fact, the Bible says it will produce something inside of us. Uh, it will produce a harvest in our life. The message translation says it will produce a harvest that is beyond our wildest imaginations. That's not what a preacher can do. That's what God's word can do. Anybody believe in the power and the authority of the scriptures and God's word today? So when we pray right now, we're saying, God, I'm leaning in and I'm listening to what your word wants to teach me today. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge you today. We thank you that you are for us and not against us. We say, like David said, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Open up our eyes so we can really see you today. Open up our ears so we can understand your love. Lord, thank you that you have precious plans, plans to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. We receive your love and we receive your mercy today. And God, we're believing as a church at both locations that by next year at this time, the Atlanta Hawks will rise back to victory. We need a miracle, Jesus. So we're believing it in faith, in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Come on, Hotland, let's put our hands together and let's, get, let's believe for a miracle. Come on. We're going to need you, Jesus. We need you. Um, it, it, it's, it's just the worst when something that is supposed to work doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever have something in your life, something that is supposed to work for whatever reason, it does not work. This happens with my Apple TV remote. Sometimes when this thing is supposed to work and it, it does not work, or you ever have your cell phone and your cell phone says that you have Wi-Fi signal, but for some reason you cannot connect to the Wi-Fi. Am I preaching to anybody's pain this morning? Am I talking to anybody? Felt, I felt the Holy Ghost when I said it. It's, just, it's the worst when something that is supposed to work doesn't work. I have an interesting relationship with elevators. I have a very perplexing interesting relationship with elevators because years ago I was a youth pastor for 15 years so I took all these youth on a mission trip to Mexico so we were in Mexico on a mission trip and while we were on this mission trip in Mexico I was in the elevator and the elevator broke down emphasis on being in Mexico on a mission trip I'm in the elevator and when the elevator broke all the youth were in the elevator with me I looked at all the youth with me in the elevator I said hey <laughs> just a heads up I'm going to have a panic attack right now, okay? Just right in front of you guys, just, I just crumpled. Like, I was just like, gone. Because I was in Mexico on a mission trip. Just, it's the worst when something that is supposed to work doesn't work. I want to talk today that I have learned through experience that when life isn't working out, it's usually when God is working out. When, when life is not happening the way that I want it to happen, things aren't developing, I have learned that it's a signal that God is up to something in my life, that God wants to use and redeem this time. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, many plans does a man have in his own heart, but the Lord directs his steps. Ultimately, God's plans will prevail. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I want to give you four things to write down today. Four things, whether it's your first time to church or your hundredth time to church, four things to encourage you in your faith journey. Write these down so you can re review them and be encouraged by them. Write down number one. Here's the first thing we have to do when life isn't working out. We have to move beyond, move past our disappointments, our delays, and our destructive thinking. 
are disappointments. Let's just start there. Disappointment. Anybody by show of hands, you've ever been disappointed with someone before? Let me just see your hand. Disappoint. You ever been disappointed with yourself before? Disappointed with a family member? Dis- disappointed with an outcome? Disapp- Listen, I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. We were on the one-yard line about to win back-to-back. So I know disappointment, people. Let's not even get started what happened to y'all in the Super Bowl either. I'm not, I'm not going to, sh- shots fired, I'm not going to do it, okay? But disappointments and delays and destructive thinking. When, you, when you're disappointed with, um, with the business venture, disappointed with your children, disappointed in yourself because you can't get it right. Usually when you land at disappointment, the next step to disappointment is delayed, feeling delayed, feeling frustrated. I should be here in my career. We should be accomplishing this. We should be making this much money. We should have this much reach. I'm disappointed and I feel stuck. I feel delayed. I showed you a photo of my daughter, Georgia, who's now six. This week uh, marks six years ago. This week we sat with the doctor and my wife and I received her diagnosis. And she received a diagnosis of lysencephaly. I'd never heard that term. It's called smooth brain in simple terms. Her brain, for whatever reason, didn't form. It never developed. And when we sat there with that doctor and the doctor gave a death sentence over my firstborn and said, these never, she'll never do this, that, and the other, and she'll never live to this many years. And I I, I felt the sting of disappointment, but in my mind, I knew this is going to delay us. This is going to set us back. We were supposed to go to L.A. in that season, but I knew this was going to set me back. I'm, I'm now disappointed, and I feel stuck and frustrated, delayed, and, and, and now i got destructive thinking. You ever have your mind go bad? You ever have your thinking go sideways? Your thinking go in the gutter? Destructive thinking. You're th- you'd be embarrassed to show people your thought life. Uh, it's amazing. What, what, what the enemy's trying to fight for and what God is trying to fight for is your mind. I like Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Mind is a Battlefield. The distance between heaven and hell is not this huge chasm. It's usually right here. It's between our ears. That's why the first thing that God said, when you put on the full armor of God, yeah, you need the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, but you need the helmet of salvation. You need to put God's thoughts over your mind, God's truths and God's promises. And come on, I love, I love what it says in Timothy. Come on. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of of power and love and what? Sound mind. That, that word in the Greek, sound mind, it literally means disciplined thinking. That when my mind starts going in fantasy and out of order and into envy and jealousy, I can bring my mind right. Oh, I love that story of Job. Remember Job in the Bible? Job has the hashtag worst day ever. Job loses health and kids and cattle and everything, and his wife's mind goes crazy. Listen to what she says here in Job chapter number two. It says, then his wife said to Job, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Let me just speak to the men of God. You may never talk to your wife this way. This is just Bible times. (laughs) All the women say amen. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity from God? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job said, I may feel disappointed, and I know this is going to put us back, but I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm going to meditate on whatever is pure and whatever is noble and whatever is praiseworthy. I'm going to give my thoughts to God. I'm going to capture all these thoughts and make them obedient to God. we got to learn in life. 
that when life serves you disappointment and when you feel stuck and delayed and your mind is bad, you're going through the battlefield of your mind. You, you, you know, the, the Bible says in James, it says the double-minded man ought not to receive, to expect anything from the Lord. What's he saying? I got one mind thinking this way and another mind going that way. No, I got to move beyond this stuff and move into the future that God has for me. How can we move past these seasons? How do you move past a doctor's appointment like that? How do you move beyond failure? You can only do it because right down number two, Jesus sees beyond our failure. You might be dealing with failure today. You might feel like a mistake. Listen, you might have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. You might have experienced failure, but you are not a failure. Jesus sees beyond your failure. Oh, I love Jesus. Our God is the only God that sees you not as you are. He sees you as you're supposed to be. Everybody else in your world sees where you are in your career, where you are in your character, where you are in your finances. God sees where he's taking you. God sees where you're going. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is walking down the street, and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. Zacchaeus was a thug. He was a thief. He was a tax collector. He says, get down from there, Zacchaeus. He saw a church builder. He saw a preacher. He saw someone that would be used by God. What about Jesus with the woman at the well? Everybody saw a girl that just was sleeping around from guy to guy. Jesus saw someone that would go back to her village and flip the whole thing upside down for Jesus. Anybody thankful today? Our God does not see you where you are. He sees where he's taking you. Come on, you ought to praise him today. Like you see that God sees you the way you're called. God has this ability to take ordinary, broken, messed up people like you and I to use us to do extraordinary things. If you've got issues in your life, welcome to the club. You already know I have issues. Hashtag skinny jeans. You already know. Why are you yelling at us? I don't know. Let me just show you a, a, a graphic here today to prove to you all these people in the scriptures that were used by God that had issues. Put up that, that screen. Watch this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly ugly and used by God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. May that never happen at this church in Jesus name. Brad, I know you're at the other campus and you want to do it. Tell the devil, no, not today. You're not doing it. Somebody give me a witness at both campuses. Brad, not today, devil. Felt the Holy Spirit when I said it. Isaiah, Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs and Peter denied Christ. Jesus sees not in the failure that you are. He sees beyond it and who you're called to be. Come on, you ought to praise him today because he's not looking at the mistake that you're dealing with. He sees your God given potential. I love this because if you've got issues this morning, if you've got struggles, if you've got things you're working through in your life, we all are in the same boat and we all serve the same God that says, bring me your worst and I'll give you my best. Bring, bring the worst, grossest, embarrassing, 
bring the worst of you to me and I'll give you the best part of me. Our God is the only God that makes this invitation. In fact, Isaiah the prophet, when he prophesies of Jesus, he says he will come to, mo to comfort those who mourn. Watch this in Isaiah 61. Let me just read the, the, the declaration to comfort all those who mourn, to bestow on them or to bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Bring me your despair. And I'll exchange it for a garment of praise. Bring, bring me your mourning and all that you've been facing and I'll trade you for the oil of joy. Bring me the ashes of failure in your life, the destruction of marriages and broken relationships and decisions gone wry. Bring them to me and I'll, and I'll give you a crown of beauty. Bring me your worst. I'll get, did you realize in your life when you were planning your worst thing, he was still planning his best thing? When you were up to no good in your rebellious state, going against the things of God, God was not changing his mind. He was saying, I'm going to plan my best thing. No, I love Paul the apostle. Before he was a church builder, he was against God. And he was actually on a road on his way to go take out believers. We just saw this happen in Texas a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, a guy walked into a church on a Sunday and started murdering Christians. Paul was on his way to go do the same. While he's on the road, Jesus shows up, intercepts his life, he has a collision with grace, and he's never the same. Because even when you're up to no good, God is up to something good. Come on, anybody thankful today? Come on, God's not up, up, up in heaven, turning his back, waiting for you to get right. When you were at your worst state, God was pursuing you and loving you and romancing you because he's that good. I wonder what it is this morning that you're mulling over and rehearsing and thinking about that God's up in heaven going, are you still thinking about that thing or that night and that decision? I have long forgotten about that incident. We serve the God that says, I will remember your sins no more. Watch here in, in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. God's saying, I don't even remember that thing. I see beyond that failure. You made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. It doesn't change. Listen, God is not in heaven today because of your decisions, making a plan B or C for your life. The Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He only has a plan A and he's committed to that plan. Oh, I love that about God. So number one, we got to learn how to move past disappointments and delays and destructive thinking. We, gotta, we can only do that by his strength because Jesus sees beyond our failure. So write down number three. I love this thought today. It's always... It's always too early to quit, and it is never, it is never too late to start. Oh, listen, it's always, listen, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you faced. I don't know where you're at, but let me just encourage you. It's too early to throw in the towel. Don't you quit on your call. Don't you quit on God's plan. Don't you quit on your children. Don't you quit on this church. Don't you quit on the God thing. Anybody just willing to raise a hand and say you're not willing to quit today. Just going to keep on going. Keep on persevering. The Bible says you have need of endurance. We got to keep the only people that win in life are those that don't quit in life. Let me say it this way. If you don't quit, you win. 
The only way you can win is by not quitting. Just keep, when, you're, when your arms are heavy and your knees are weak. Oh, I feel like I'm getting into Eminem lyrics right there. Anyways, but um, when you feel, I would never do that passion. Anyways, but when you feel like quitting, just keep on going because it's too early to quit and it's never too late to start. A couple years ago, a few years ago, my wife came to me and she said, babe, I want to run the New York City Marathon. And I was like, you mean you, not we, right? And she was like, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. If you want to run the New York City Marathon, that's awesome. So we flew over to New York City and we arranged the whole thing and we got her registered and we made a whole plan that we would keep on meeting up throughout the race. So my wife ran all 26.6 miles. Every seven miles we would meet up. It was amazing to me, all five boroughs. While we would meet up, every time I met up with my wife, she had a different emotion. So the first time I met up with my wife, mile seven, she was bouncing around. She was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. The next time I met up with my wife, she had a different emotion. She was like, oh my gosh, I hate you. You're lazy. Why aren't you out here with me? <laughs> but I will never forget when my wife finished the New York City Marathon in Manhattan in Central Park. She finished the race. I was so proud. But when you finish the race, they put these blankets on every runner so everybody looks the same. So I'm trying to find my wife. She's on her phone and I'm on my phone. And I'm trying, we, we put some streets together. And when I see her from a distance, I, I lose it. I hang up the phone. I start running towards her as fast as I can. She, she did not run towards me anymore. She was done running for the day. So, so, so I ran towards her and I picked her up and I started to sway her and I'm crying and she's crying. It's this moment. I'm just like, oh my gosh. I almost said, it. I almost said, we did it. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't say that. I was like, I was like, I was like you did it. <laughs> and, and I'm swaying her. We're crying. I had this thought while I was doing this. I, I thought to myself, I want to hear those words when I finish my life and I graduate to heaven. Well done, thy God good and thy faithful servant. You fought the good fight and you finished the race. Come on, anybody down today to not give in too early and, and it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. The devil wants to convince you you've missed your window. Your best is behind you. It's too late. No, no, no. Hear the word of the Lord today. It's never too late to start tithing. It's never too late to start serving. Come on, what is that business that's in your heart? What is that idea that's in your spirit? What's that thing that God wants to do? What is that God idea and that God dream? It's never too late to start. Why is it never too late to start? Because God is so good. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, because of the steadfast love of the Lord, we're not consumed in his wrath. His mercy is new every single morning. We woke up today with fresh possibility. We woke up today with fresh faith. Come on, God can do anything. God is for us and not against us. I think we ought to clap our hands one more time and just tell the Lord, Lord, I, I know it. I, it's not too late for me to start. What, what, let me just say this as well. Why can we start? Because in Joel chapter 2, Joel the prophet said, in these last days, God will pour out his spirit in such a way that what happens? He said, young people will prophesy and old people will dream dreams. Translation, when the Holy Spirit comes on our life, there's something for every generation. God's not done with you yet. And today the Holy Spirit is here to encounter you and to lead you into the thing, it's not too late for your life yet. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, it's not too late for you to get involved in the God plan that's on your life. Somebody say amen.
Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at both locations, and I'm going to share one last thought with you today. Anybody being encouraged today by God's word? Anybody being encouraged and strengthened by what God has to say to us today? Let me encourage you with one last thought. I love this so much. Write down number four today. Jesus is calling out greatness. It's what he does. It's what he does best. You ever been called out socially in front of somebody? You ever been called out and shamed? Called out and embarrassed? Jesus is different. Jesus, when he gets in front of you, he calls out greatness. Some of us today believe this, that if Jesus were to show up at either location and started walking through the aisles, you know Jesus, right? Long hair, blue eyes, 5'10". American. So dumb, right? <laughs> but if Jesus showed up today, started walking through the aisles, made his way to you, met you face to face. Some of us still have a poor picture of God that we think that if he were to get in front of you today, he'd point his finger, talk about disappointment. How could you? Are we for real? You're still dealing with that? What a poor picture of a good God. That's not the God that we serve. Because I know that if Jesus showed up today, and if Jesus had a chance to get in front of you today, Jesus would make his way in front of you. Woo! I love you. I'm obsessed with you. Oh, if you only knew the plans that we've been making in heaven for you. Oh, I'm telling you, you've seen some stuff, but you got to come follow me because you have not seen anything yet. There's greatness on you. There's greatness in you. I believe that if Jesus got in front of you, he'd call out the God thing that's in your heart and on your life because that's what he does. He calls out greatness. Come on, you can clap today if you believe it. It's just who he is. Time and time again. Now, I just want to end with one last story. John chapter 1. Verse number 40, John chapter 1, let me just tell you what we're about to read. John the Baptist was a guy in the Bible that God used powerfully to prepare the way for Jesus. So John the Baptist is a voice crying out in the wilderness, and he's walking around. He's like, guys, get ready, because he's coming. And he's walking around, and he's saying things like, prepare the way of the Lord. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make, make, make your path straight. God's about to do something. Get your life in order. And all of a sudden, he's been prophesying and waiting. And then one day, he's walking down the street, and he sees Jesus for the first time, and he loses his mind. He's like, OMG. It's the dude. It's the guy. He freaks out, and he's like, guys, behold. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He starts to just go wild where there's a guy standing there named Andrew. Watch what the Bible says Andrew does. It says here in John chapter 1 verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing, the first thing, and the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. I just love Jesus. Jesus sees Simon for the first time and he doesn't play it cute. He doesn't go like, Simon, it's so good to have you at church. 
Here's a chocolate. Hope you come back. First impressions. Like Jesus is just so like, let's do this. What are we waiting for? Jesus looks at Simon. He goes, Simon. That's what your name is now, but I see calling. I see future. I see potential. I'm going to change your name to Peter. You're going to be used by God. Oh, come on, somebody praise him today. If you believe that Jesus is calling out greatness on your home, on this church, on this season. Come on, clap your hands, church. Let's thank our God. He's calling something out of us today. Praise the Lord. If you are encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.